You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2018. It is Kent State week for Penn State. So enunciation is very important this week. Kent State travels to Penn State for a noon kickoff on Saturday. That game is on FS1. Penn State is a 34.5 point favorite. It should be an easy win for Penn State, though I think most of us thought that a couple weeks ago against Appalachian State, and that wasn't the case. But this one should be even easier than that. Hopefully it is doesn't also go to overtime like the App State game did. Uh, we're going to break down some things that we've learned through Penn State's first two games this season on today's show. We're going to have a segment called It's Only Two Games But with some reactions through 120-plus minutes of football. Uh, we'll also have some Big Ten power rankings. At the end of the show, it was a bad week for the Big Ten. Uh, a few bad non-conference losses. Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue all lost this week. So there's going to be some shakeup in those rankings we'll have at the end of the show. We do those every week. And I'll also have my weekly top five today, though it's more of a bottom five, looking at some of the least remarkable or most unremarkable, however you want to phrase it, week three opponents that Penn State has had in recent years. And there's been a lot of them. And it looks like Kent State is going to be added to that list in 2018. But before we get into that, we are going to start today by reacting to some things that we have learned through the first two weeks of Penn State's 2018 season. I'm going to call this, It's Only Two Games, But. So these are going to be some reactions from the first two weeks of the season Maybe they're overreactions, maybe not. We are only one-sixth through the, of the way through the regular season, so they might be overreactions, but we'll find out. We're going we're gonna to react nonetheless. So here we go. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. It's just two games, but Kevin Givens looks like Penn State's most important player on defense. Givens was out there on Saturday night against Pitt, the defensive tackle was suspended for an undisclosed reason in Penn State's week one opener against Appalachian State. He was out there on Saturday night, made seven tackles, two of them for a loss, and was part of that defensive line unit that made some big halftime adjustments and was was terrific in the second half against Pitt after the Panthers put up more than 200 rushing yards in the first half. Givens doesn't just make the defensive line better. However, I think he makes the whole defense better, especially when you have a younger, inexperienced linebacker core and a first-time starter at middle linebacker. To have a guy in the middle of your defensive line who can create a push, who can eat up blocks, is huge. It makes every level of defense better, and it just makes Penn State not have to rely on on guys in the secondary making tackles and making interceptions or relying on Micah Parsons to make a bunch of tackles coming up from a linebacker spot. It was like so much 
Penn State's defense was so much better against Pitt than it was against App State. And it's not all because of Givens, but I think there is a he played a big role in that. You could tell that Penn State's front seven wore down against App State in that fourth quarter. And in that kind of game, like one stop, if you, one sack in that game would have been might have made the difference between a 14 point win and that game going to overtime just to, to stop momentum and slow that offense down. But Penn State was getting no push up front and its whole defense was getting tired. So having Givens in there makes their pass rush better, makes their run stopping better, and just takes a little bit of pressure off of everyone else on that on that unit. And Kevin Givens might be Penn State's most important defensive player. Moving to the offensive side of the ball. It's just two games, but Jawan Johnson's drops are worrisome. Jawan Johnson came in as Penn State's top wide receiver this year, and he does lead the team with eight catches through two games. But he only has 90 yards for those two catches, and he's had multiple drops. He had two big ones against App State, at least one more against Pitt. And it's just not what you want to see out of a guy who is experienced. He's a redshirt junior. He caught 54 balls last year and was looked at as a guy who's going to come in and be Trace McSorley's top target and a guy who is going to generate points and, and generate first downs for Penn State. And that hasn't necessarily been the case through two weeks. Um, it, it's been masked a little bit because K.J. Hamler's been so good. Miles Sanders has been so good. Brandon Polk has evolved as a good third wide receiver option for Penn State. Um, and they've still moved the ball through the air pretty well. But he's the really the only huge downfield threat they have. I mean, he's 6'4", and he's a guy who can go up and get a ball, a jump ball, a 50-50 ball down the sideline. And Trace McSorley has, has thrived on throwing those things in the past two years. So they need that option, and they need a reliable option there if he's going, if Penn State is going to get some wins against some better teams come late September, October, and November. And they need Juwan Johnson to, to start playing like, a wide, like the top wide receiver on this team. All right, last one here. It's only two games, but this feels like one of the weirder Penn State seasons in recent memory. This is, uh, both of the first two games have been strange for different reasons. Obviously with the App State game, blowing a 14-point lead and almost getting beat at home by a Sunbelt team is a game that most Penn State fans will remember for a long time and was a national storyline uh, in week one. And then the pick game was is weird in a different way. It just... It never felt like Penn State was playing that well in the first half. It felt like they should have been maybe even losing it at halftime, and they, they would have been losing at halftime and maybe in, early in the third quarter if Pitt hadn't shot itself in the foot a dozen times. So, and, and you know, you have the rain, you have the rivalry, you have the, the lead-up to that game. There were a, a lot of quirky things that happened on a rain-soaked night in Pittsburgh. But they've been two, two pretty strange games and Penn State is 2-0 and and has scored 96 points, but it feels like they've been outplayed in two of the four halves that they've had this season so far. I think you could certainly make that argument. So 
it, it has been been kind of weird. Both games have gone in, in different directions after halftime. Uh, it hasn't been a consistent game from Penn State in either one, and you're kind of waiting for them to put that together. But I also like the weirdness. I hope that this season continues to be strange and a little bit unpredictable. That's when college football is the most fun. Or at least, and, and even if Penn State blows out their next two opponents, maybe we'll see something like an offensive lineman catching a touchdown, uh, maybe maybe some, some pooch punts from Kent State and Illinois quarterbacks or something. I love a good quarterback pooch punt. Maybe College Game Day will do a segment from the Rathskeller or something. I don't know. I just want this to continue to be a weird and memorable season because that's much more fun to talk about. All right, I'm going to keep talking about things, but I'm going to do so after a quick break. When we come back here on Locked On Nittany Lions, we're going to have this week's top five. Well, actually, it's more of a bottom five. I'll explain it after the break. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and my bookie's mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today with my bookie. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000. Use promo code on college, that's O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E, to activate the offer. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm Steven Pianovich. So Penn State plays Kent State this week. Uh, not really the matchup that jumps off off the page when you look at the season schedule. Penn State's essentially a five-touchdown favorite. Kent State is one of the worst teams in college football. A noon kick on FS1. It's really, really not, not going to be the the preeminent game of this weekend. Uh, and it, it got me thinking, doesn't Penn State always play some lousy team like this in week three of the season? And I did a little bit of research, and in recent years, the answer is more or less yes. Penn State plays some pretty unremarkable teams in week three of the season. It's usually a time between a good non-conference game that they have on the schedule and Big Ten play. So I kind of understand it. And most teams do this. A lot of big Power Five teams do this. But it got me thinking, what, what are some of the most boring Week 3 games that Penn State's ever played? And that brings me to this week's Top 5, which is more like a bottom five of Penn State's most unremarkable Week 3 matchups of the last 20 years. All right, I'm just going to go in chronological order uh, from... Uh, least recent to most recent, and starting in 2000, when Penn State beat Louisiana Tech 67-7. to Louisiana Tech had eight first downs and seven turnovers. Penn State had 493 yards. 
it was not close. In 2005, Penn State beat Central Michigan 40-3. to It was good for Michael Robinson's then Heisman campaign. He had three touchdowns, 274 yards through the air. Anthony Morelli also threw for more than 100 yards. But yeah, not a very exciting football contest. 2006, Penn State played Youngstown State in Week 3 and won 37-3. to that game was scoreless through the first quarter, actually. Penn State came, was coming off of a loss at Notre Dame, so maybe a little hangover there. Uh, but then Penn State went up 20 to nothing at halftime. They had nearly had 400 rushing yards in that game. Not, 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 not very remarkable. In 2010, Kent State, Penn State beat Kent State. There's the golden flashes. This game was just remarkably boring. Uh, I was a freshman at the time of this game, so this was the second Penn State home game I ever went to as a student. And you remember when you're a student, you're going to your first ever games, your freshman year, every game's exciting, right? You you're get to sit in the student section and learn all the cheers and do the wave and all that stuff. This game wasn't exciting. <laughs> Penn State went up 14 nothing early, and I think that was a score until late in the second half. Uh, Rob Bolden had 217 yards, but he also threw two picks. Uh, it was a real snoozer, so not even that exciting as a true freshman. All right, and then the last game on this list is Georgia State from 2017. Yes, everyone remembers this one from last year. It was 56 nothing. Uh, it was a night game. That's like the one thing that you, I think most people would remember about it. Uh, Penn State had 526 yards. Saquon Barkley had a nice 85-yard catch, but Penn State just took care of business, forced five turnovers, and got the win, and then started Big Ten play at Iowa the next week. So I think Penn State fans are fine with Saturday against Kent State being unremarkable, especially after last or after the season opener against App State. So we'll see if it's if it's unremarkable enough to crack this list. All right, we're going to step away for another break, but coming up after that, we're going to have this week's Big Ten Power Rankings. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lines. Football season is back, and so is the chance to win big with FanDuel. You don't have to be a fantasy expert to win with FanDuel, and it's never been more fun or easier to play. This year, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before with games like Gridiron Pick'em, Guru, and Beat the Score. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to start playing. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Right, we are back here on Locked On Nittany Lions, and we're going to close out today's show with our Big Ten Power Rankings for this week. It was a it was a rough week for the Big Ten. Yeah, they had three non-conference losses, with Purdue going down to Eastern Michigan, Northwestern losing to Duke, and then Michigan State in that semi-high-profile game 
losing out in the desert at like 1.30 in the morning to Herm Edwards and Arizona State. So not a great week on the whole. And now you look at the Big Ten at the beginning of the season, you have those five teams in the top 15 and, you know, five legitimate college football playoff contenders. And now two of them in Michigan and Michigan State already have one loss. So the conference definitely took took a bit of a hit there. Uh, but still, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin are all undefeated, and, and I expect one of them will make the college football playoff this year. That remains to be seen. All right, so getting into the power rankings, starting at number 14, and that is still where Rutgers is. Okay, so Rutgers lost by 49 points to Ohio State, but silver lining, they scored three points. And it was the first time Rutgers had scored against Ohio State since 2015. So there's some progress for the Scarlet Knights, who are 0-1 in the Big Ten. At 13th this week is Illinois. Hey, Illinois is 2-0. They beat a team called Western Illinois this week. So there you go. Uh, but there's a decent chance, I'd say decent to probable chance, that Lovey Smith and company are going to lose their next 10 games. Number 12 in this week's power rankings is Purdue. Yeah, come on, Boilermakers. Like, they, they win seven games last year, go to a bowl game, win a bowl game. Jeff Brom sticks around. He, he almost left to go to Tennessee. They pull in a, a great recruit in Rondale Moore, who was awesome in that win against, or that loss against Northwestern in week one. And now Purdue starts the season 0 and 2, and they lose a home game to Eastern Michigan. So that's a really bad loss for Purdue, and a a program that looked like it was heading in the right direction entering this year is now really going to struggle to make a bowl game. It's I don't uh, looking at that schedule. I don't know where they're going to get six wins. Uh, I mean, they 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 still have Mizzou and Boston College in non-con play, and then they start the season, the Big Ten season, at Nebraska. So, I mean, there's a good chance Purdue could be one and four, even zero and five to start the season which is not what Jeff Brom had in mind. All right, number 11 this week is Indiana. Indiana squeaked out a 2016 win over Virginia at home last weekend. The Hoosiers should be 3-0. Uh, they got Ball State this week, but I still don't think they're, they're much of a threat to anybody else in the Big Ten, really. Uh, number 10, Nebraska. Scott Frost finally coached a game for Nebraska after his initial debut was canceled against Akron. Uh, but Scott Frost lost his first game since 2016 because the Huskers blew a fourth-quarter lead against Colorado. They gave up a late touchdown. Still, uh, Nebraska fans have to be enjoying this. It was much more fun than watching this team at, at any time last year under Mike Riley. They had a freshman QB in Adrian Martinez who looked really good. He left the game with an injury, but it doesn't appear to be super serious, and it's... Uh, the Scott Frost era is going to be fun in Nebraska. It's just going to take some time. It's probably going to be tough for them to get to six wins after having a game canceled and losing their first game. But still, Scott Frost knows what he's doing, and that program is going to be irrelevant again much sooner than later. Number nine this week, Northwestern. Northwestern went on the road, won a Big Ten game in, on the first Thursday of the year, and then they just laid an egg at home against Duke. They were four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, went up 7 nothing in the first quarter. They didn't score again. They gave up 21 points all in the second quarter, lost 21-7. to 
Northwestern had 381 total yards, but yeah, they did not score in the final three quarters, which ain't going to cut it. Uh, number eight this week, Minnesota. The Gophers are now 2-0. They got a, It was a nice win against Fresno State. Uh, P.J. Fleck has this team looking like it could win seven games, possibly in his second year in Minneapolis. Uh, number seven in this week's power rankings. That's where I'm going to put Michigan State. Dropping Sparty from fifth to seventh because they also looked shaky against Utah State in the opener, and then they lost to Arizona State on Saturday night. So you kind of looking at this game on the schedule, you always had an idea. This weird 10:45 Eastern kickoff would result in a in a quirky game and maybe an upset. Michigan State was outscored 13 nothing in the fourth quarter. Arizona State's not a bad team, but Michigan State returned almost every starter they had from last season when they surprised people and won 10 games, and it looks like they're they're destined to take a step back this year, which has to be disappointing for fans in East Lansing. Number six this week, Maryland. Terps are 2-0. and They got a 31-point win over Bowling Green. Obviously had the big win against Texas in the opener. Still impressive how Maryland had the players at Maryland have rallied after they had a teammate die in the offseason and Jordan McNair and then there was all this speculation about DJ Durkin who hasn't yet lost his job there's a lot of bad press about the environment and the culture of that team and, and how how that team is run but the players that are there are 2-0 and and they could be uh, they could be on their way to 4-0 and before they play Michigan on October 6th and Maryland could be ranked by that time we'll see Number five in this week's countdown is Iowa. Iowa 13-3 win over Iowa State. Doesn't that doesn't that sound Iowa-y to you? They held the Cyclones to 188 yards. There wasn't even a touchdown in this game until the final five minutes. Very Iowa win for uh, a Kirk Ferentz team that they could probably beat anybody, especially anyone at, at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, that's where Wisconsin goes on September 22nd. College game day might follow them there. We'll find out. We'll find out this weekend. Uh, number four this week, Michigan Wolverines got back on track. They they kicked the crap out of Western Michigan. Offense looked a lot better. Shea Patterson looked good. Michigan still don't count them out as as a Big Ten title threat just because they lost to Notre Dame and didn't look all that great in Week One. Uh, Michigan is probably going to be favored in every game it plays up until its regular season finale against Ohio State. And number three this week, that's where Penn State, uh, that's where I'm putting Penn State. I discussed this a lot on the show on Monday. Uh, the win against Pitt really you know, calmed some fears for some fans who, who were uneasy after the App State near loss. Uh, they made a lot of adjustments and they didn't make mistakes against a team they were better than. And then they beat Pitt by 45. Still a few question marks that need to be cleaned up in the next few weeks, and as I said yesterday, Penn State just needs to be the best the best version of itself uh, for when Ohio State comes to town on September 29th. Uh, number two this week, number two and number one are staying the same from last week. It's Wisconsin at number two. Badgers had a little bit of trouble with New Mexico State, but they pulled away for a 31-point win. They got BYU at home this week to close out the non-con. Shouldn't be an issue. And then number one, Ohio State. Buckeyes are 1-0 in the Big Ten, 2-0 overall. They rolled over Rutgers as everyone expected. 
They do get a, a, their first real test of the season this week against TCU. Uh, technically a road game, but basically a de facto home game for the Horned Frogs in Dallas at, or technically in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. Ohio State still is nearly a two-touchdown favorite in that game, though. This, they're just super talented. Uh, I don't imagine they'll lose this this week, but that certainly would shake up the national title picture if TCU could pull off an upset. So that's this week's Big Ten Power Rankings. We do those every week here on Locked On Nittany Lines, and we'll have those next week's game before Big Ten play really gets going in week four. Uh, and that will do it for this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and download to it and also leave us a rating and review. That really helps us out and helps other people find us as we continue to get off the ground in our first month of existence. We also appreciate listener feedback. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so in multiple ways. You can find us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany. We are also on Facebook. You can email the show. It's LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. And you can also find me, Stephen Pianovich, on Twitter, at S. Pianovich. So any feedback you'd like, questions, comments, suggestions for the show, all of that would be really appreciated if you, if you have any ideas or how we can make this a better Penn State podcast. If you missed our review of the Penn State pick game from Monday's show, I highly encourage you to go back and give that a listen. We were joined by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times and broke a lot of things down about Penn State Pitt, uh, the future of the series, and what Saturday night's game means for the 2018 Lions. We'll also be back on Wednesday to discuss James Franklin's Tuesday press conference and look ahead to Kent State. I'll talk to you then.